RPS powered by Seat. Welcome to the weekly review on RPS, the radio show where we discuss some of the week's hottest and relevant releases in pop culture. Since the protests stemming from the tragic murder of George Floyd at the hands of Minnesota police officers have spread like bushfires around major cities all over the world, we'll take a look at how the current civil unrest regarding the unfair treatment of black people by authority has seeped into modern pop culture, including Spike Lee's latest film. The Five Bloods and comedian Michael Che's stand-up show Michael Che Matters from 2016 holds up years after its original taping. We'll also take a look back and honor Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly without derailing too much attention from Wiley's Godfather 3, which is our album of the week. Joining me here is my co-host Ben Cardew. Hello. And behind the controls we have Rob Roman. And this is an anthem that never gets old. That's how I feel by Glock burn down the block that's how I feel murder at the murder at all these years by strap us back at all these tears mama's crying how they gon' heal how you would feel fuck side speak up bitch this shit ill big stick on me y'all kill we kill been tied fuck cardboard signs we in the field it's the cool clucks cops they on a mission it's the cool clucks cops got hit the genesis is the truth i won't stop open cases police already hate me why now make a rich ass city look like trash to whoever make the rules we need answers fast oh they man fucking let's make a man without that bad you's a bitch in a half fuck the police 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 Fuck the police. Protect and serve mean duck and swerve. Police pull me over, I don't stop, I'm scared. Fuck 12, bitch, I got the nerves. Fuck 12, bitch, they get on my nerves. Hey, fuck pig, fuck bacon. I don't eat pork, I'll be pasting. Fuck you and your slave ship. You supposed to be free like the Masons. I'm tired of being tired of being tired. I'm tired of being shot at like a eye. Calling all the foolish from the tribe. We on some fuck the police shit. It's the vibe. I hate when they handcuff me. Acting tough with the vest and the gun. He think he cheap. I hate when they handcuff me. Acting tough, calling for backup. I think he weak. Fuck the police. 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 Fuck the police, 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 fuck the police. Fuck the police. Cool cuts cops. They on a mission at the cool cuts cops. Got hit the genesis, it's a true I won't stop. 
YG with FTP, which stands for you uh, won't have much problem guessing. Fuck the police. <laughs> it was released during the nationwide protests following George Floyd's uh, murder in May 2020. Um, and basically, uh, it follows his uh, fuck Donald Trump and it follows NWA's own uh, fuck the police. So that's something we're going to be looking at today. Some of the music that's kind of emerged in the protests uh, around the world um, and there have been numerous songs that have been chanted, sung by crowds um, and this I think is one that has really resonated um, and he released, YG released a video just a couple of days ago for the song um, which shows uh, videos of police brutality against protesters, it shows YG attending a march in Los Angeles on June the 7th and also leading protesters in a live rendition of FTP and at the end uh, text our viewers to join the movement for defunding police forces in the United States um, and it's very powerful. It is indeed. Uh, it's It's been an overwhelming time to pay attention to what's been happening in lots of cities in the US and how it's happening, how it's spreading across to other countries. I mean in the UK alone and all over Europe statues are being um, torn down, uh, well pulled down, statues of uh, slave traders and people who did everything against um, people of color, shall we say, and, and have been historically celebrated in a lot of these cities, well, those are being taken down. So it's an interesting time to observe culture, to see how um, it's making sense of everything that's happening, how it is a reflection of, the, of, of sentiments that are unpopular in the mainstream. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at a, a loads of them. I was really impressed with uh, something that happened amid these protests, which is, even though it wasn't a protest, it was a, a black woman protesting an arrest, and uh, her, and she was in a state of, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a state, shall we say, where she had a flow going, shall we say. And she came up with this whole lose your job thing. So basically she was being arrested by a security guard uh, because she was trying to get back into a club where she'd left a purse. And the guy, you know, he, ha he has her handcuffed and there's video footage of this and this video has gone viral. It was the security guard who actually posted it and, and he was very sensitive uh, in saying, look, I'm not trying to make fun of this person. I'm just saying that the what she came up with uh, just was it just connected <laughs> like a great pop song. And it was you about to lose your job. And um, what happened was that viral video got remixed <laughs> into a song and now it's becoming uh, another anthem at the protests, at, at many of the protests. And I think it's even going to transcend into becoming an anthem for dealing with any sort of incompetence when, you have, when you're faced with it, no? when someone does something wrong. I'd hate for it to be trivialized and it will become like an anthem at a coffee shop where someone gets your order wrong and they bring you a frappuccino instead of a latte and you're like, mm -mm, you about to lose your job. <laughs> Which so is going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, so have we have we got a snippet of this to listen? No, it's not on. No, that it is. It is the full song. I, I just want to say that before we do. I mean, you might sort of wonder like why we talk about music um, when there, you know, what it's a very very serious situation. Um, and what role does music have? How important is it? You know, in the face of police brutality. But I think music is a very important thing in in protests, and you see that with with when people are protesting music is something that brings people together and it gives something for people to to shout about it's like a really unifying force basically mm. and we've seen all over social media various types of music 
um, being used. I don't know if you saw, there was a video of someone doing a Chicago footwork dance on top of a police car. Uh, there was people chanting along to techno in Detroit. Uh, there was like go-go rallies in Washington, D.C. There's been all kinds of different music um, being used. And Lose Your Job is one of the sort of brilliant ways about it. Because, again, I think what it shows is 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 how people sort of very, very cleverly adapt culture to the, the, the situation where we're in and how this has become such a sort of very potent moment because the people uh, one of the people who's uh, done this I, I Marquise was the same person who did do you remember that coronavirus uh, song when Cardi B did the speech yes. about coronavirus and they made it into into a song well this is something they've done with uh, you're about to lose your job uh, and it's become a really big hit and what was you know this sort of brilliant video about a woman protesting about something else entirely has become something to be sung at police as a sort of vital form of protest so let's have a quick listen to that this is dj suede and imarquis lose your job you about to lose your job you about to lose your job get this dance you about to lose your job because you are detaining me for nothing you about to lose your job That was the voice of Joniqua Charles. That's her name. And, you know, this is what I love about the instantness of Internet. You know, this is this is going to become a, a, a protest anthem. It already has. Uh, and it's and it can and it can become a pop hit. Uh, I'm amazed that it's already on on streaming services. Uh, but it's the high. You know how hip hop was born from bootleg culture. You know you would take samples, you would take whatever you could get your hands on, and turn a powerful message that people could listen to and dance to and, and enjoy at a club or whatever, and become part of people's lives. It becomes something that's tangible, and uh, this just it, there's a purity to it. You know, this is a, a woman who was just she had her thing on and she she was in a moment and she had this creative flow in a moment of a certain adversity then these remote producers take it and turn it into something bigger and um this is kind of a we were talking about utopia this is a utopic kind of way of of of, tr of truth or the voices from the street reaching that mainstream where all of a sudden you're in 
some uh, a, a mom's house, you know, some mom preparing breakfast for her kids, you know, uh, who would never know what's happening on the streets because they live uh, in some kind of bubble in some nice cul-de-sac suburban house. And um, some, you know, the kids would be like, mom, the pancakes are burnt. You about to lose your job. It's like, what do you mean? You know, and then, I don't know, it's, it's when these things happen in life that culture becomes very fun and entertaining. Also, do you remember recently we were talking about, well, what's the, the anthem of the summer going to be? And we were thinking, well, will summer have an anthem? Because, you know, people are locked inside in quarantine. There's no big kind of um, club scene. Well, that could be the song of the summer, right? Lose your job. Or FTP, they could both... Uh, they, they could both be songs of summer, very different ones, but they've come out of circumstance. And that, again, is where the a perfect summer anthem, it just comes up. You don't know, you don't expect it. You didn't expect, you know, Lost Ketchup, to give a stupid example, but it has. And now that song, I reckon, could be the song of the summer because it's a song of the protest, and that's currently what, what summer is about. Plus, the trap beat is, you know, it's, it's kind of summer music, you know, it's party music in, in many circles, so it, it's got everything, you know, and, and you could even remix it and give it a reggaeton beat to make it even more summery. But, you know, the reason I'd say FTP couldn't isn't eligible to become a, a summer hit, if we're going to talk in pop terms, is because it's got the subversive, um, uh, anti-social kind of sentiment towards... Uh, law and order, which, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a proprietor, you're on the side where you actually want there to be some police protecting your, your property, right? <laughs> but um, when it comes to pop hits, as you were saying, bu- bubblegum pop, sometimes like an acereje, like you just mentioned, or La Macarena, all these stupid songs, but you just can't, they're earworms, they get into you and you can't stop humming it. And in the least expected circumstance you'll re- something will trigger a memory of it you know you'll be having a burger and you put some ketchup on it and you're like oh I said a hit ha well the same thing all of a sudden as I say we're faced with incompetence on so many levels uh, on a daily basis you're going to be <laughs> that, that song's just going to spring out you know if you can't open a, a cream bottle properly to put some sun lotion on it's like Mm-mm, Hawaiian Tropic you about to lose your job <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, sorry. I, li- I like what Swade, one of the remixers, said. He said, they basically asked him in this interview with Pitchfork, how, you know, how did you remix Lose Your Job? And Swade said, it was already a song, so we just had to source it up. Because it's true, it's all it's all there. I mean, I, like nothing against the beat, but like it's all there in the original, in the original vocal. It reminded me, did you ever see that incredible movie Hustle and Flow? No. Wow, that is a powerful movie starring Terrence Howard, uh, who's playing a pimp on the street you know and he's got his uh, stable of hookers as it would as um, iceberg slim would have said in his book pimp about pimping about um yes exploiting women sexually and uh, he plays a pimp he's got his his two girls and stuff and he decides to try and make a, a rap you know he tries to break into a rap career you know because it shows how you know in in the southern states i think it's uh, based in atlanta or in in one of the southern states the only way for a, a black man or a black person to kind of get out of extreme poverty is through crime you know through crime in a way that's what the film was trying to say so one way one way of him making his money was uh, pimping and the other was try and make a rap song and there's a moment where one of his prostitutes played by Taraji P. Henderson who would later join Terrence Howard on that fabulous show Empire Um, she comes up or they come up with a hook it's hard out here for a pimp when it's trying to get the money for the rent you know it's a very simple hook and it's like wow it's like you can break out of poverty from having one strong hook to get you out of the ghetto right so this it just reminded me of that it's like damn this girl just came up with a hook 
hopefully she will receive the praise that's needed and stuff and you know when, when people start actually finding a way of monetizing the popularity behind the song hopefully she will um, perceive some kind of um, <laughs> compensation for this uh, stroke of genius well there's Speaking a lovely of- sort of thing she says again in this interview with Pitchfork um, now I want to go protest with my song playing in the front for people from George Floyd's family to contact me and be like you've brightened up our day that means a lot there you go. So um, we also want to, I mean, we've been talking about the music that's been um, heard in protests uh, around the world. And one of those is Kendrick Lamar's All Right, which is has become a real protest anthem, not just these, but in, in previous protests. Um, Pitchfork named it the song of the 2010s. Um, and I just love the fact that all, all the way off in Auckland, New Zealand, there's a, there's a photo, uh, there's a video, excuse me, of, of people chanting there, you know, so far from what you would perceive as rap's bass, so far from where Kendrick Lamar comes from. And this wonderful song has come into use there. And I think you were telling me, right, that somebody asked him, well, why haven't you done a protest song? And he was like, it's already there. It's, it's already there. Uh, it, it was a meme or something that I saw on Instagram. They're like, how come Hendrik hasn't said anything or done anything during these protests? He's like, he already did back in 2015 when he released To Pimp a Butterfly. I remember seeing that album cover while I was uh, I was actually in the US on, on holiday. And they're like, and when we were in Times Square in New York, and these kids were like, they were doing some TV, whatever. They were showing kids the the cover, and they're like, "What do you think of this cover?" And I'm like, "Wow, look at that! The this Photoshop uh, effect of all these sort of um, ki- guys from the ghetto, you know, cr- uh, posing in front of the White House." And then flash forward to when I see Donald Trump hiding in a bunker because protests are, are surrounding Capitol Hill or um, the White House. I was like, "Wow, this is this." Kendrick saw this, he, he could foresee it, you know, even though his was some kind of a fantasy and it was a statement on, on, on being black in America, all of a sudden it's like, this is the news. This is what uh, Chuck D meant when he said hip hop is the CNN for black people. Kendrick took an idea and this idea is actually happening through circumstance, through something that is just being, you know, this, this constant police brutality that just keeps being... Um, doesn't get condemned by the, the the government. It just seems to just keep happening, and it keeps getting swept under all these rugs and carpets. And it's like finally, this is this is crystallizing. So this man had a vision to pimp a butterfly, and obviously it received plenty of accolades and attention, and even won Grammy awards, best rap album of the year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's so magnificent to review a record that meant so much at the time, and it hasn't really been that long since. Uh, but it's it's just continued, and not just police brutality. And there's the school shootings, but I don't want to mix too many things. It's 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 this grave problem that happens in America, where where you just keep seeing it on the news, and you just don't understand why isn't nothing why is nothing being done to to stop this? And all of a sudden, all this is happening now uh, in 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 the in the wake of the George Floyd murder, and then again, someone else got murdered again yesterday or the day before yesterday. I don't know. I don't even know, Ben. I keep looking at my feeds, and it's like I can't believe this is true. You know, this is still happening. So when you re- you you look back at an album like To Pimp a Butterfly, you think thank thank goodness that you have artists like Kendrick who managed to put his finger on the pulse and create something that is timeless. And uh, it serves, you know, not just all right as an anthem, the entire album 
can guide you through the darkness for a while when you're just trying to make sense of the senselessness. Well, this is one thing I really like about All Right, is it, it's kind of a moment of hope. It's like, we're going to be all right, which is a really simple but profound thing to say, you know, because I think people do need that message sometimes, you know, and, and in fact, sometimes in protesting, I think you get that feeling like the world gets on top of you and it's all very much too much. And then being there with people who feel the same as you and are doing the same kind of thing, you're like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be all right. And you get that moment. And again, I think that's kind of what all right does. It doesn't like whitewash the world. It doesn't say, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's going to be brilliant. But it's like, no, we're, we're going to be all right. We'll get through it. Exactly. I mean, what what I as a, a as a commentator on this, what I loved at the time was seeing how the mainstream embraced such subversive messages, and the fact that he even got a stage like the Grammys to to do that incredible performance where they all came out uh, in chains as it, as they were prisoners. Uh, you know, they were wearing the blues. They were all in chains, walking like like you would if you were arrested and, and walking the line, you know, to, to wait for your cell to be appointed. He had Kamazi Washington performing inside a cell and you had every sort of A-list musical celebrity in the audience, glamour, you know, uh, with their jaws on the on the ground and, and clapping. And it's like, wow, this is so powerful. And it didn't, it wasn't gimmicky. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, let's just sort of appropriate the imagery of um, people wearing um, prisoner jumpsuits and stuff. No, 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 no. This was real. This was the, the realest you could get in such a mainstream platform. And in a way that wasn't uncomfortable to watch where people might switch the channel or anything. It was as spectacular as a halftime Super Bowl show. Uh, with the fire and the and, and and everything, and obviously Kendrick's delivery, the way he can rap and the way he can pack so many thoughts in in such few bars, you know, you, you got to take your you you got to take breaths just to watch him, just to catch up with him. It's like wow, wow, look at all the realness, and it's nice because I hate it when hip hop just stays in hip hop. I hate it when all these powerful messages just keep underground and they just stay underneath the surface and people are too afraid to listen to it because people are comfort driving in their SUVs on their way to pick up some nachos or whatever to take home. You know, I hate it when people are ignoring it. And all of a sudden, for a powerful spokesperson as Kendrick to come out of the community and be able to remind people that this is going on with such style, with such panache and... You know, then there was that other performance at the BET Awards in 2015, uh, performing on top of a cop car with this giant American flag waving. It's just good to remind people. Not that a lot of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to suddenly start supporting um, um, disenfranchised people. You know, it, it's, it's a little bit by bit, but it has to continuously happen for change to eventually come. Remember, there was a time when slavery was oh, totally okay in the US and through a lot of hard work and civil war and this, that, and the other, it managed to get abolished. So we need Kendrick as much as we need Abraham Lincoln back in the day. You know, that's me getting a bit historically political. I don't want to go there. All right, should we have a listen to the song? This is Kendrick Lamar All with right. All Right. All's <laughs> my life I has to fight, nigga. All's my life I... Hard times like yeah, bad trips like yeah, Nazareth. I'm fucked up, homie. You fucked up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright. Right, nigga, we gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. We gon' be alright. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Huh? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. 
right. Uh, and when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. Bahamas, I be looking at you from the face down. One Mac 11, even boom with the face down. Skimming, and let me tell you about my life. Painkillers only put me in a twilight. What pretty pussy and Benjamin is the highlight. Now tell my mama I love her, but this what I like. Lord knows. 20 of them in my Chevy, tell them all to come and get me. Reaping everything I sow. So my karma come in heaven, no preliminary hearings on my record. I'm a motherfucking gangsta in silence for the record. Uh. Tell the world I know it's too late. I think I've gone great Trying to side my faces all day Won't you please believe when I say When you know we've been hurt, been down before Nigga, when our pride was low Looking at the world like where do we go Nigga, and we hate poor poor Wanna kill us dead in the street for sure Nigga, I'm at the preacher's door My knees getting weak and my gun might blow But we gon' be alright all right. Nigga, we gon' be alright Nigga, we gon' be alright Alright, do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Huh? We gon' be alright. Nigga, we gon' be alright. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright. What you want? You a house, you a car for the acres and a mule, a piano, a guitar, anything. See, my name is Lucy, I'm your dog. Motherfucker, you can live at the mall. I can see the evil, I can tell it. I know it's illegal, I don't think about it. I deposit every other zero, thinking of my partner. Put the candy painting on a Rico, digging in my pocket. Ain't a profit big enough to feed you every day. My logic, get another dollar just to keep you in the presence of your Chico. Ah! I don't talk about it, be about it. Every day I seek you. If I got it, then you know you got it. Heaven, I can reach you. Pet up, pet up, pet up, my dog, that's all. Big back and chat, I trapped the back for y'all. I rap, I black on tracks, so rest assured. My rights, my wrongs, I write till I'm right with God. When you know. We've been hurt, been down before Nigga, when our pride was low Looking at the world like, where do we go? Nigga, and we hate poor poor Wanna kill us dead in the street for sure Nigga, I'm at the preacher's door My knees getting weak and my gun might blow But we gon' be alright Nigga, we gon' be alright Nigga, we gon' be alright We gon' be alright Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gon' be alright I mean, Ben, with a song like this, it, you do really sincerely feel like everything is just going to be all right. You know, you're not going to... Well, n well, no, you know, who knows? It's for some people, if I was living in the States and I was driving at one in the morning, I could easily be a George Floyd, you know, some cop pulling me over because my car smells of weed or something, which would be my case. I don't, I'm not saying that was what, what happened to George Floyd. You know, I don't know. It's like uh, I, I don't live with that kind of reality. So it's amazing to hear it. Um, so well channelized through through lyrics uh, by an artist. Um, what would we do without Kendrick and so many other artists who are catching the torch? And speaking of artists who who, f who fly the flag and always make sure people don't forget about black history, about what it's like to grow up black in America or disenfranchised in any part of the world, uh, there is someone like Spike Lee who just released another brilliant, excellent film last week on Netflix called... The Five Bloods. And what a film it is. I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time. I watched it just last night and this morning, and it's a fantastic film. It's one of the best films I've seen in ages. And it's so relevant to sort of what's happening now that I did wonder if they'd, they'd brought it forward or something like that. Or But but no, apparently it was always planned to sort of be released now. Um, but it's... I mean, watching it right now at the start of June is, is, is incredible just to see how it chimes with everything that happens. I mean... It's so many things, but basically at the heart of it, it's the story um, of four black American uh, Vietnam War vets who 
go back to Vietnam in in in, in on a quest. Maybe we won't say exactly exactly what it is. Um, well, they go to retrieve the remains of their fallen captain, squadron captain, unit unit leader. What do you call? It? Ah, I don't know military terms. Yeah, yeah like their captain, captain. I think. Yeah, yeah. Who who you know? Um, yeah. Oh, damn it! Are we giving too much? How do, I hate. I'm terrible at talking about movies without spoiling something. I mean, how do, uh, you're better at this? Continue. No. no they, okay. <laughs> they, they, they got a quest. They're going to go and and find the remains of uh, their 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 friend who died in Vietnam. Okay. Then other things come on <laughs> on top of that, but we won't. Well, we, we we'll try not to avoid too many spoilers. And what it does. I mean, it does so many things again, but it kind of puts like the history of black American soldiers in Vietnam right to the front of the story. You know, they, without being really heavy handed, there are statistics about like what percentage um, the black portion makes up of, of, of Americans, what percentage of African Americans fought in Vietnam. And it's, I think it's like 11% or something like that. There's the footage of um, Muhammad Ali talking about why he refuses to, to fight. Um, you see some of the, I mean, horrendous footage from what what happened in Vietnam. Some um, which is is quite well known. You know, the monk setting himself on fire, the the little girl um, with with napalm burns. And so you've got that. There's really like historical context. I mean, you you will learn things. Well, unless you're really well versed in in history, you will learn new things. I learned a lot of new things. Like I. I think they were saying that the first person killed in the American Revolution was a black man, which I did not know. I didn't know that. I didn't catch that. Damn it. This happens when you... It's a two and a half hour film. Spike Lee packs so many messages and so he's trying to tell so many things at once in most of his movies that sometimes it's a little bit too much. You know, if, if, if you're watching it with a lazy Sunday afternoon eye like I did. But what I really, really found... Um, I think... I think he, uh, from a critical point of view, maybe he could have taken half an hour out of the two and a half hours by not trying to tail too much. And just f if he would have just focused on the soldiers uh, rather than trying to paint such a big picture of, of what it means to be a, a black soldier and how the civil rights movement back in the day, you know, how the Vietnam War was was was. Inseparable um, in from from the civil rights movement back in the day, he's trying to tell all these things, you know. So it's cool that he's. I, I don't know if he's also trying to um, alert the younger audiences, and that's something that's impressive about Spike Lee. You know how Tarantino said that he once said that uh, directors get to an age where they can no longer make films as relevant as when they were young. And lately, I'm only seeing films made by the legends and they're doing some of their best work. Scorsese with The Irishman didn't drop the ball. Ridley Scott doesn't draw the ball, drop the ball and he's 80. And all the last movies by... Anyway, and Spike Lee, he's just so continuous and so constant. He's still making powerful movies that still resonate and, and don't lose their relevance. Um, so even though it's a little critique that he's maybe packing too much into it, at the same time, it's like, well, that is part of a Spike Lee movie. I'm going to disagree with that critique because I think um, now that we're also used to watching series which take place over sort of 10 hours yeah. uh, I find a lot of films when I watch them you're almost like well that's why didn't they extend that a bit that's a bit, bit sort <laughs> of shallow in a way and I thought well that was two and a half hours I watched it in you know two two stints one one and a half one one of one I thought it was really tight actually I thought they, they couldn't have got rid of 
of, of much thing. I mean, obviously, technically they could have done, but I thought it would have really been less a film if they had. Um, I was just mentioning this. It's Crispus Attux uh, was an American stevedore of African Native American descent, widely regarded as the first person killed in the Boston Massacre and thus the first American killed in the American Revolution. I had no idea about that. And that flashed up very quickly in the film, which is fascinating. Wow. You see, well, this is he's, he's a good historian, Spike Lee. And... Uh, let's just remember that he is he is still an independent filmmaker, and I'm always uh, marveling at how these these people these these kind of directors have lasted so long uh, on the periphery of of the Hollywood system, shall we say, making cinema that 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 sometimes beats you over the head, you know, reminds you like, hey, some some nasty shit went down in the past, and I'm going to make an entertaining film about this, and I really found. Another thing I find brave about Spike is his his casting choice. First of all, Delroy Lindo, who's been a habitual actor on many Spike Lee movies, some of his best, Crooklyn being one of my favorites. Uh, he, you know, what a gift for an actor to receive that script and that character. Uh, Delroy Lindo plays a MAGA hat wearing, Trump supporting African American who's deeply resentful, and he's also dealing with a heavy case of PTSD. All these years after the the war has finished, uh, it hasn't finished for him or for soldiers like him who have to deal with this kind of dra- trauma for the rest of their lives. What a portrayal! He is flawed, you know. He's the he's tense. He he's the he's the ticking time bomb in the whole film. You know, he's he's just like, oh, what's he gonna do? He's unpredictable. He's wonderful, wonderful as an actor. What he's done, what he's done in the role of Paul. I think what he does so well is he makes him by turns very disagreeable, very honourable, very funny. Very like he, there are times that it, it turns on on a dime. There are times you're like, this person's a, ho- a horrible person. Then you're like, oh okay, because he's he's really had a traumatic experience in Vietnam, and he's not got to terms with it. We find out why it was so horrendous kind of towards the end of the film won't won't give that away there's a really brilliant bit kind of at the end of the film where he's on his own he pretty much knows he's going to die and he he's just talking about how no one's going to take him down you know no one's going to steal what his he's already been exploited he's had enough and it's just his face in the camera for i don't know 3 minutes or yeah. something like that a monologue and he's utterly brilliant he's like he's just talking to you straight straight through that it's it's a masterful uh, role. I also really liked Clark Peters. Yeah. Um, uh, as Otis, Clark Peters, yeah. who you know from from The Wire. Um, he was. I, I think Otis is maybe the one you feel closest to. You know, sort of the moral, the moral core. But like he, um, again, another sort of fantastic sort of portrayal because he does again. He 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 has to fight. He has to do various things. He has a real emotional spectrum that he yeah. runs. Yeah, it's 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 a it's the kind of uh, war hero that that it's is easy to support because even though he's lived through the same um, atrocities, he's managed to find a stable ground or some kind of balance in his life where he keeps his shit together, uh, and he you know he he brings these friends together and he, and they go on, he's you know he's kind of the the leader of the expedition. Speaking of the wire, and I didn't realize until all of a sudden he yeah. actually says the line, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who anyone who's seen the wire remembers for his wonderful shit, <laughs> he actually says it in in a scene. Does he say it or did I dream it? No, he does he say it. Does, he does say it. Because I, I, I realized it was him and I was like, 
Oh, it's him. Like, and you know, he he's got such a distinctive voice. Obviously, in my head, I'm like, oh, she, you know, and uh, and he actually said, it's, it's almost like, <laughs> do you know they get away with it because the film's so good. It's almost like it felt to me it was just like. Spike Lee saying, I know what you you remember him for. Come on, we'll give it to you just once. And it won't overshadow the film because the film is brilliant. And it won't even overshadow this scene because, you know, this this scene is is brilliant. I And you can do that if you've written a really, really good film. If, you, if your film is not very good or lagging and you sort of put that in just to, like, get a few laughs or, like, to, to get the emotion, get people sort of thinking of The Wire, then that is going to be terrible. But in this circumstance where it's just one part of a brilliant film and like there are funny bits we've not like really said much it doesn't sound very funny from what we said but there are some actually hilarious moments um in this film you know uh, i'm trying to think of any of them, <laughs> i can't remember any ben i'm just the power you know the 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 the, the dangerous images or the the harsh images were so um, impactful that i can i can't even remember the giggles that I might have had during the film, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm a loss for words, but that she, <laughs> and that's another thing, that's another thing I found admirable about this casting, that obviously Delroy Lindo is a household name, shall we say, especially in Spike's filmography, and the other two actors that you can recognize from The Wire, but the um, Norm Lewis, who plays the one who's done well for himself in, the, in life, he's more known as a Broadway actor, he's not a household uh, film and television name, and I'm thinking, it's like, Spike, Lee, he's like Woody Allen in that sense, a New, York, a New York filmmaker who can get the most, the biggest actors to work for a fraction of their usual salaries uh, because the prestige that you, you get from working with these kind of scripts on these kind of films is uh, outweighs, you know, the financial, mm, the financial um, gain, right? So... I'm surprised, you know, he could have had a Samuel L. Jackson or I don't know if he's fallen out with him. This is the thing. Spike Lee's also fallen out with half of Hollywood so because <laughs> he's a strong character. But he could have had Forrest Whitaker. He could have had any of them joining Delroy Lindo as part of that squadron because you need famous names to, to sell uh, films that are a bit um, harder on the mainstream, shall we say. You know, yeah, and, and, and a film needs success for it to to exist shall we say or to make some money back so I'm surprised he didn't choose to say you know let's get a few more although he did get and if god I wish I was Chadwick Boseman waking up today just today reading the reviews Chadwick Boseman who will forever be Black Panther in, in a positive way, you know, he's he's more than just an actor who played a superhero. For many black kids, he is a real superhero because he was Black Panther on screen, right? And Black Panther was very empowering, you know, and uh, for 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 black people all over the world, you know, because it 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 showed it portrayed black su a black superhero, but not just black superhero, a black society which was a utopia. It was fictional, but it's something to look forward to. It's like, well, you know, we could have a Wakanda, which, and if if we fought for it, if we worked for it, you know. So anyway, uh, I derail. Uh, so he gets he gives Chadwick Boseman this ideal, you know, heroic character in in his prime. You know, this Vietnam um, captain who's who's teaching his soldiers mo all these moral values that go beyond just you know. He gives them a reason to fight, uh, or, or, or he gives them a reason to survive, shall I say? And it is very inspiring. So Chadwick Boseman, he just nails the character. He's gorgeous in it. He's 
Ah, oh, he's he's just made for these powerful roles. He's gonna be he's like this generation's Sidney Poitier. You know, he's not gonna play thugs and everything. Chadwick Boseman's always gonna play like charismatic leaders and po- with powerful messages, and he gets another turn here. So it, it's interesting you mentioned Samuel L. Jackson. Um, in, when the film was officially announced in January two thousand nineteen, Samuel L. Jackson and Don Cheadle were being eyed for the lead roles, ah. apparently. But um, it. it I don't know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Also, the film was originally a 2013 spec script with Oliver Stone set to direct. And he dropped out in 2016. Spike Lee uh, came in and performed a rewrite after completing Black Klansman. Damn! Which is fascinating. Imagine what that would have been like. Well, it is the kind of it's the it's the kind of subject matter that Oliver Stone's built his career on, right? Denouncing the the Vietnam War, really, and all the all the political heave hoovers. It would have been a totally different movie. I I don't obviously it would have been it would have, even if he would have centered on the on the black soldier story, it would have I don't know I don't know I don't know what it would have been like in the hands of Oliver Stone. Speaking, you know, as a side note, I wouldn't mind that becoming something of a future. Uh, films reimagined by different prestigious directors. You know, like, what would it be like in the hands of David Lynch? I don't know. Now that everything's been so uh, apified, <laughs> where <laughs> songs in the key of um, Bob Dylan or, or whatever, you know, that would probably be an interesting product on Netflix, right? It's like, we're going to show you the same movie, but we're going to give uh, David Lynch all the money. We're going to give Oliver Stone the same budget and he's got to do the same film, but how he would do it. No, see what... I don't know. I You've got too much time in your hands. I do. This is about the first film I've seen in about, in about <laughs> a year that isn't a children's film, so I was really pleased. <laughs> and one of, one of the... As I said, it, it was particularly timely. One of the end scenes, basically, the, they get a load of money for reasons we, we won't go into without spoiling it. Um, and one of the characters ends up giving, I think, two million dollars uh, to a Black Lives Matter organization. Yeah. And you see that, and that was when I, th- I thought, I was like, God, this is absolutely perfect for now. And when I actually thought, have they put in this scene? You know, have they just added it in later? But no, 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 it's all, it's all there from the start. But you know, this is the thing about Black Li- the movement, which we're going to tag Black Lives Matter, is that it. It hasn't changed since the tag started getting used. Uh, Police brutality has always existed, and we can go all the way back to the famous case of Rodney King, how that sparked those L.A. riots, and nothing changed. Nothing changed since then. You know, in fact, what the only thing that happened from Rodney King was uh, O.J. Simpson got acquitted, and it was a triumph for, for the black community because it wasn't... This is horrible, and this is a touchy subject, and I didn't, and I hope I'm not being malinterpreted when I say this. But it is said in all the documentaries that have been made about that, when people, when black people jokingly or not jokingly celebrate the o- the O.J. Simpson acquittal, it's more about a sense of look. This is the least amount of justice that black people are going to get in this current system of, of cor- in this current corrupt system right it's like we actually have to celebrate the acquittal of a murderer uh, because uh, because the amount of injustices that happen on the on the street on a day-to-day basis at the hands of police officers is so is so vast that you know we have to become this distorted that we have to kind of celebrate any kind of triumph um, um, in the face of this yeah I mean I don't know if I, I've, I've exp- expressed it very poorly and I'd like to go on record as saying I do not celebrate the acquittal of OJ Simpson <laughs> in any form or way but this is this is the point 
this is how bad it got right back in the in the early 90s well it's still been happening black lives matter isn't a theme it isn't a bushfire it isn't um something that just happens now this is continuous and until something changes it's going to take a lot of protesting and a lot of spike lee movies I wanted to actually just quote, I think, the New Yorker review, um, which ends in a brilliant way, which I think puts it into into context. The transformative prophetic power of the Five Bloods is rooted in its overarching sense of a never-ending war, not the Vietnam War specifically, but the daily war at home that's waged against black Americans who are forced to fight for survival, equality and justice. And I think that perfectly kind of sums up um, why the film is such a success and why it's so relevant in 2020. I, I just very briefly, and this is by no means the most important far, part of the film, but I wanted to mention it anyway. The soundtrack is so good. They use bits, uh, a lot in fact, of uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, which is one of my favourite albums ever, and as I'm sure you know, he, he made this film in reaction to his brother getting back from Vietnam, and basically his brother told him what was happening in Vietnam, and Marvin Gaye from that made this, this incredible album, which is like, it's a protest album, but it's really beautifully, incredibly soft, and the way they use it in, in, in the film is absolutely stunning, like they use a cappella vocals, yeah. um, it's, it's one of the best sort of combinations of music and film I think I have seen. Um, I want to play a song, in fact, can we? Yes, please. Uh, this is Marvin Gaye, Inner City Blues, Make Me Want to Hollow, which they play at the start of this film when they are replaying some of the horrendous footage from Vietnam. Let's listen. Oh, make me wanna holler the way they do my 
We just can't agree. We just fight about everything. We can't even agree on Black Lives Matter. That's a controversial statement. Black Lives Matter. Not matters more than you, just matters. Matters. Just matters. That's where we're starting the negotiations. Matters. We can't agree on that shit? What the fuck is less than matters? Black lives exist, can we say that? Can we say... Is that controversial? We always ask for the lowest common denominator. We ask for the lowest rights. Gays were fighting for equal rights. Equal rights. That's, could you believe that's an actual stance you could have? You could be for equal rights? That means there's people out there saying, I think everybody should have the same rights as everyone else. And there's other people like, nah, son, I disagree. <laughs> I just don't think so. Black people was fighting for civil rights, not even equal. <laughs> just civil. Can we get civil? Can we get, I'll take civil rights. Just be civil. That was a bit from Saturday Night Live comedian Michael Tay's special, Michael Tay Matters, from 2016, available on Netflix. Four years old, and it's still as relevant today as it was back then, and it will probably still be relevant for years to come. Hopefully not. Hopefully people will be like, in five years, imagine, oh, Black Lives Matter, what, what, what was that all about? That doesn't happen anymore. All of a sudden, equality. Very optimistic. <laughs> Speaking of optimism... Yes. Uh, I am amazed at the album of, of this week's um, author's career. I didn't, I'm amazed that Wiley is entering his fourth decade uh, as a recording artist. You, I mean, you, you've been on record as saying you're not a big fan of grime, right? I'm afraid I don't get it. <laughs> I feel so unrelevant. Okay, I, I, love, I love grime, right? And yep. Wiley is the best person at it. I mean, this album is called The Godfather 3. He is, you know, the godfather of grime in every way. He, he all right, success of many fathers, but basically <laughs> he was one of the people that, that invented it who um, and has still been there. Uh, his first grime releases were I think 2001 he was making sort of garage before that he was emceeing over jungle before that he's done 
everything. And he has produced so many classic tracks. And this uh, new album is his 12th studio album, alongside various EPs, various mixtapes. He, at one point, released zip files of about 300 unreleased songs, just because he could. Um, he He's just done everything. And, and this album... Um, is a fabulous example, I think, of everything that is that is great about Grime. He said it's going to be his last album. He's retiring. I very much doubt that because he's basically always retiring. This is this is what he does, um, and it's a real good example of what I don't want to say basic Grime is because it's not basic in any way. But like this is what Grime is. You know, the the really good MCs and really good beats. You know, very British, but it's not drill. It's not US hip hop. It's it's a fabulous grime record. Did you did you warm to it at all? I did actually. I I, I did enjoy it. But uh, give me some perspective because this this is what I get a little bit anxious about when listening to grime. Um, I don't know how to compare it to previous stuff. For instance, this is the third in his series of Godfather albums. Yes. So what does this trio... Because it started in 2017, not, not even that old, no? The, the, his first Godfather record. So what's what phase is this in his career? What What is the Godfather trilogy? I mean, I suppose you could say the Godfather is him reclaiming the throne as the figurehead of grime or the godfather of grime if you like not that he necessarily had to reclaim it not that he was forgotten but you know grime wasn't that big internationally for a while and then Stormzy and Skepta and people like that came up and suddenly grime had a big you know um revival yes and while he wasn't forgotten, you know, um, he worked with both of them. But, like, the Godfather trilogy was, like, three really, really strong albums of him saying, this is what I do. And he talks, actually, a lot about his history um, throughout the, the albums. And particularly on, on The Godfather 3, you know, he, he calls back to uh, Eskimo Dance, which was the, the grime event he used to put on. Uh, he talks about Rince, which obviously Rince FM, the pirate station he mm. started off. Um, and he, he looks back on a lot of things he's done and his, his relationships with people in Grime. Because basically, Wiley, what he always used to do is he would release one underground album, then like release one really big pop album, and that would do really well. You know, it might not be particularly Grime, but like have a big hit on it, like wearing my Rolex. He would then get sick of the major label, major label system, so he'd go and release an underground grime album, and then he'd want to do another pop album, and so he'd, you know, he'd go with another major label. It would go wrong, and he'd release another underground album. And kind of that's not exactly what's happened, but he had this song uh, in 2019 called Boasty, which was like this really big sort of dance hall-ish uh, track. It had Stefan Don on it, it had, had Sean Paul, it had Idris Elba on it. Uh, and it is, I believe, his first uh, song to reach 100 million views um, on YouTube. And apparently he was going to release uh, a big, big pop album. You know, he was going to be like lots of collaborations. People like Nicki Minaj was going to be on it. Um, and for what reason? For reasons that no one has, has said, which is weird because Wiley normally says everything. It didn't come out. And everyone's waiting for it to come out. And Boasty's still been in the charts, still doing really big uh, business, but instead of that, this album has come out, The Godfather Three, and it's sort of not a low-key release, but it's not like the release that people were waiting for. People were waiting for this massive kind of like pop 
pop album. And also, he's been talking about the Godfather 3. He's like, yeah, it's going to be released on January the 1st. No, it's not. Yes, it is, you know, and eventually it's come out in uh, June. Well, I'm afraid uh, Rob is signalling that that's all we have time for on this week's episode of the Weekly Review with Owen Wald and Ben Cardew. Well, thank you so much for listening. Tune in and uh, we'll be back next week. And we're going to play it with some Wiley. You man need to know the levels. Not the ones that's in your head, you know. The real levels, bruv. You man need to know the real levels, bruv. I ain't gotta stand up with a hundred odd man nope. Even though I can yeah. Gotta be a one man band On the road I'll rise my own hand Bang Boy better know I'm sticking to the plan Fireman Sam coulda put out the fire I'm stacking in my van yeah, I won't call Danny Weed or Flo Dan I put up to the spot like where's your top man It could be a old day or a nightclub jam Still stand Selling my moments to all of my fans Are you mad? Gotta get the bag You brothers must think I wanna sit around here playing tag no way. Like I'm here not bad I'm outside on every patch Here's the catch London's that city with a dance But you wanna be greedy and you wanna act bad Came in the game, no get to no cane If you see me in the street, it's cool, no fame I ain't doing all this spitting for jokes, I want games You don't really wanna stand out with me on my race You slide around the game like a weasel I couldn't care if you did adverts or Labrooks or Diesel What I stand for is this, barring Forget the omen and the R-ing. I'm a cold body, don't trust nobody Same spirit in my young, I'm an old body You don't know yet, don't know Bobby I got the juice like the film and your gutty I changed it round, you couldn't roll on me I'm never gonna let a brother take my soul from me I don't want the powers controlling me or having hold of me I stepped in it with bad man rhythms Black art lyrics, bust a little science, bust a little physics For the day that grime started, I was in it to win it It's 2020, don't ask for my digits, but nah, cause we run this No other MC has ever done this I make music, I make history I go away, come back and ask if they miss me Yeah, had nothing but I'll leave the game with a lot, no bluffing Even though I used to sit in the back of the classroom with all my best mates just cussing Call me what you want, it's nothing Face to face bro, you the one, you the one, you the one, nothing So you better stop puffing and puffing You don't wanna see me get crazy bro My mind works while well, I ain't lazy bro Everybody thinks that grime is sneaky till man rides a ting like crazy bone I ain't chatting for the fun, it's not laser drone You better sit down, but you wanna raise your tone So many people tried to flex, you can't bring nobody round there, take him home I said, this thing ain't really meant for you I don't know why I ain't already sent for you I swear, you all the dons that put you on They should be collecting rent from you My brother, some of us, we can't be controlled I laid foundation for the keys you hold If you don't stop moving funny around us I'll change the locks, now your keys are old If it's grime, it's all mine Shut up, can't tell me nothing Cause I came from the gutter Before you was trying to break I come across like a nutter Now you're gone soft like butter It's a shame, me and you are friend But you wanna move lame Two twos, you know, we ain't the same I run the show, yes, I run the game Let me take aim I came in the game on a mission Some man didn't, stood around So it was a real life vision I'm a top shot, I can't sway my decision Step onto the stage and I cause a I came in the game with a passion The same passion I had when I was mashing I showed them a blueprint for free So they can't take nothing from me